I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. start with your abduction. Four men made me open the safe. They took me as a hostage. Were you able to see anything at all through the blindfold? No. When someone endures an experience like this, there are often residual effects. <laughs> okay. Just having a bad week. I like to have a good cry at the nail salon. <laughs> Why should we buy you a drink? There are over 300 bank robberies in Boston every year. Most of these professionals live in a one-square-mile neighborhood called Charlestown. Welcome to Rewatchability, part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network. I'm J.M. McNabb, joined as always by... Robert LaRound. <laughs> Wait, I tried to do a, a Boston accent. It didn't work. Oh, that's what that was. Yeah. Sorry, you wanna, do you want to try again? Robert LaRode. No, I can't do it. It's Robert LaRode. <laughs> that, that was nothing. Robert LaRode. And we have a special guest this week. It's our friend Evan Morgan. Hey, Evan. Hey, guys. And Evan is the director of a great new movie. Well, I guess it's not that new at this point. Yeah, people are still discovering it. If you haven't seen it, it's new to you. It's a great movie. Fantastic. It's called The Kid Detective. Whoa. What's that about? It's, it's it is about an adult, so it's... <laughs> oh, misleading. That that was my first mistake. Yeah, that's tricky. <laughs> Have I'm you intrigued. had any complaints from parents that took kids to see it? Not as many as I was hoping, to be honest. And look, I mean, it, it, it debuted during the pandemic, you know, only in theaters, and uh, and so anyone who was bringing their kids to that movie, like, already is not concerned about the rating. <laughs> but i i don't know i don't think so i think that the r rating i mean i think most people are catching it but i i gotta assume that there are a few people that are just putting it on thoughtlessly and the poster art didn't quite do enough to like clarify the tone of the film like Mm. you know it 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 still seems kind of fun and like bright and you know it is but it just doesn't really hint at the darkness lying in wait that's good and, and... putting shrek on the poster was interesting <laughs> i think that may have misled that's misleading people. i that's good though i mean <laughs> when i was a kid i liked to discover things that i probably wasn't maybe ready for because you know it sort of expanded my worldview like i was ready for that i felt like i was ready maybe i wasn't but you know it was like a delight to find stuff 
that uh, you know was a little bit more adult under the guise of looking silly or childlike. Well, what what I love about the movie is it does take kind of childhood themes and and tropes and and you know tells a new mystery, but like it gets pretty dark. <laughs> and so, but it's not you know it's not you know super graphic or anything. I don't want to paint it like that, but everyone should watch it and uh, and yeah, go right. How do how do people watch it right now? It's on VOD and. Well, yeah, now you can you can watch it wherever. I mean, in Canada, it's available on Crave, and in the U.S. right now, it's streaming on Stars, and I believe it's uh, still on like Amazon, etc. You know, rental services, all that stuff. Okay, great. But we're not here to talk about the Kid Detective. Sorry, Evan. No, I'm no, just, no. I made no, it to you. Of course not. We're here to talk about <laughs> a Ben Affleck movie <laughs> from uh, eleven years ago, and that is The Town. The movie starring Ben Affleck, directed by Ben Affleck. Produced by Ben Affleck. Yeah, probably. Soundtrack uh, by Ben Affleck. And, the and really, tones. I was thinking about it. Only Ben Affleck could make a movie called The Town, and we all knew exactly what town he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Like, if he if he was in that band he- Boston, it would have just been called The Town. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. And, you know, I uh, was thinking about it today. The title... Much like the kid detective conjures up something more wholesome than what you get if you're just reacting to that alone, mm-hmm. you know. But with Ben Affleck, you know it's true automatically. Ah, oh, okay, that's yeah, that's fucking Boston. <laughs> it, it's not some quaint little, it's you know. Be shitty. <laughs> it's gonna be someone being thrown out of a Dunkin' Donuts for <laughs> swearing, or yeah, this was an interesting choice to talk about oh actually before we get into it i should thank all of our patreon donors mm-hmm. uh, you can go to patreon.com slash rewatchability and kick in a few bucks to help keep the show going and we really appreciate it none of the proceeds go to ben affleck this week <laughs> but he's you know he's doing all right unless he robs the uh the bank that we store the uh patreon funds in <laughs> it's all patreon just has like one bank and if it gets robbed no no podcasters get paid that much that's right but yeah, this was uh, this was an interesting one. One I, I hadn't seen in a long time. Evan, you suggested revisiting the town. What what were your memories of it? Well, when you say it was eleven years, I get scared because what the fuck? Like I feel like I just saw it, and and uh, I remember I went to it with our old film school pal Darby McInnes, and we did a double feature of The Town and Easy A. And we just, I can't remember which one we paid for, but we stuck around after and snuck into the other. My, my memory of it was just really, really, really enjoying it, digging everything about it, like the action set pieces, just the, the, the atmosphere of it. I can't remember how I felt about Gone Baby Gone. It's a movie I've always liked, but never really truly loved. And I, I remember thinking this was like a big step up in, just term, in terms of just like my engagement. And, I, you know, the premise is such a premise. And we're, I know we're going to get into the synopsis, but it's just like such a premise that to see it like capitalized on and you, they really give you everything that you want from it. Everything that you know you're going to get, you get, but it's still so much fun. I mean, this is my first experience in the movie. We'll talk about how it felt going back, but I thought it was a blast. And I thought that like, that as like an action movie and a drama, it really, you know, ticked the boxes for me. Mm. And Rob, what about you? Did you see it when it came out? Well, okay. So I didn't see it. I thought when you said the town that you meant gone, baby gone, because that's, I think, <laughs> for me, that was the one that seemed interesting, you know, because Ben Affleck had been, like, this actor. He'd done all this stuff. He'd sort of become, like, 
this overexposed person that was sort of like fun to see fail, right? Because, you know, the whole like Ben Affleck, J-Lo 1.0, it just seemed like too much hubris and nobody nobody wanted to see him succeed. And then he did Gone Baby Gone and was like, holy shit, like maybe maybe this is his true calling. Maybe he maybe he should just stay off from the in front of the screen and just, you know, spend all of his time directing, let his kid brother do all the acting. He seems good at it. As far as we know, he's not a creepster or anything. But uh, this was what, 2007? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. But yeah, and then he did this movie where he sort of put himself back in front of the camera. And I was less interested in that because, I mean, first of all, I think there are very few actor directors who can like do it all at the same time and do it well. And like so often it just feels like a weird like vanity project. You're always like, okay, did he cast this girl just so he could have like a love scene with this very hot actress? Or did he just cast all of his friends so that he could be in scenes with all of his friends? So I wasn't really interested in it and I didn't see it until, uh, until yesterday. But that said, I do, I I have to give it to Ben Affleck is that he can kind of direct. He's managed to like synthesize a bunch of things that other people have done really well and do it in a way that is really competent. So I was looking forward to giving this movie a shot once I realized which movie it was. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, JM? I'm sure you have a similar experience. Well, I saw it in the theater. I actually was pretty excited for it because I had a different experience than Evan because I had seen Gone Baby Gone and loved it. I think I went to see another movie that EZA? sold out. No, no, no. When got, <laughs> when I saw Gone Baby Gone, I think I'd gone to see something and it sold out. So, like, we were like, I guess we could go see the Ben Affleck movie. And then we went and saw it and we're just totally blown away by it. Loved it. So when the town kit was coming out, I was really excited about it. And it was also around the time when I was really into uh, Mad Men. Mm, yeah. So I remember also being pretty excited that John Hamm was going to be, you know, the, uh, I in my mind, it was going to be Heat, but with John Hamm and Ben Affleck. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it was his first big film role, too. I can't Absolutely. think of another one prior to that that like he was featured. Yeah, I think it was that. That was it. He was because Mad Men, I think, debuted in 2007, and that was 2010, The Town. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. but I, I think that sounds about right. Yeah, I, I looked it up. He, he had been in some other things, but he'd done some smaller films. Like he was in Howl, like the movie about Allen Ginsberg with James Franco. <laughs> like he'd been in a few things. But yeah, this was like certainly seemed like coming off the the success of Mad Men. This was like his big, mm -hmm. not breakout, but this his big sort of prominent uh, feature role. And I remember it playing at TIFF when I think we were both working at TIFF that year, Rob. And I remember being like excited that I might see Don Draper yeah. in person. And I did not see him, but no. I saw Ben Affleck. Yeah. Unimpressed. He was at, at one scary though. He was, he's like a big guy. Like I... He's was tall. intimidated. At one film festival that I was working at, he asked me where he could get a Pepsi, and I pointed him in the wrong direction. <laughs> Deliberately? Still... Well, <laughs> maybe. If it had been Matt Damon, you know, I probably could have uh, found it for him. 
Yeah, so this was a movie I liked, but I, I didn't love the way I, I did uh, Gone Baby Gone. Uh, but let's get into it, because there's a lot to talk about. Rob, do you want to do the rundown for the town? I do. Now, it takes place in the town, but not just any town. Specifically, it's Charlestown, which is a really, I guess, crappy part of Boston, where, as the narrator tells us, like, Armed robbery has become like a a a, a I, I can't remember the word for job that is better than a job, but uh, that is passed down from father to son. A trade. It's a trade that is passed down from father to son. And really tough. Sounds like a really tough town, this Charlestown. And we have these guys, Ben Affleck and his local crew, his boys, not Matt Damon for some reason, but there is... Jeremy Renner, and a couple other guys who aren't very important. And they are these bank robbers. They are a crew, and they go and hit armored cars and banks, and they are in the midst of planning. They're about to hit this bank, and it's all going down sort of as we are learning about it. So they go in. They have these, like, skeleton masks with, like, Rob Zombie dreadlocks. It's very gross. And... They go in and they rob this bank. Now, this crew, Ben Affleck is like the sensitive, soulful armed robber. (laughs) And Jeremy Renner is like the Joe Pesci one, the one who's like going to fly off the handle at any moment. And, you know, we see this almost immediately as like they, you know, they take all the hostages at the bank and then they get this woman to open the bank safe, this woman, Rebecca Hall, and she is the bank assistant manager. And she's a little bit nervous. Maybe it's her first robbery, but she's like fumbling at the safe lock thing. It's like, you know, it's difficult. Like when you're in high school and you the locker and you have to do it a couple times. But Jeremy Renner, he's like, come on, you know, open that thing. And that doesn't help things. But Ben Affleck, He's nice about it. He is very sensitive. He puts his hand lovingly on hers and is like, take your time, baby. And uh, she's able to do it. So, no, but pretty much, pretty much. And so they go in. She trips the alarm with her foot, but they think Victor Garber does it. And so Jeremy Renner beats his head in with an AK-47. And they decide to take this woman hostage and they put a blindfold on her, and then the next thing we we know, she is, like, standing out on a beach where they've told her to keep walking until she feels the water on her toes. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting image, but this is, this is how it all has gone down. This is what sets up the story. And so this bank robbery... Obviously, there are people who want to investigate it and solve the crime, maybe kick the shit out of some people on the way. And it is being investigated by, as we said, John Hamm. He plays, I can't remember his name, but he's also got a partner, one of the other manliest badasses on TV, Titus Welliver. And they're going to, like, they're going to solve this crime. So they. Draper and Bosch are on the the case. (laughs) Hey, that could be the next Bosch spinoff, right? <laughs> I, I, I feel like there were more movies after this where, like, there was a crime and the cop showed up and it was John Hamm. Like, I don't know. Did you guys watch the new Soderbergh movie? Not yet, no. No, I haven't seen it yet. That's, that's one where it happens, where 
you know, something happens and then the cop shows up and it's John Hamm. And I, I, I don't know if it's just because of this movie, but I feel like that's happened like seven or eight <laughs> times in a movie where the cop comes and it's and it's John Hamm. But uh, but he's good. Yeah, he's good. I mean, it's weird because it's weird to see him as anything other than Don Draper. And I guess the other roles that I have I'm most familiar with him in are like his guest appearances in like Thirty Rock and shows like that where he plays like a a buffoon, right? Mm-hmm. So that's so much different. Here, I don't know. It's it's weird. He, I don't know that he really like finds his step, but it's also not a very like in-depth character like we don't know any there's no like backstory with like you know he has a a wife who is going to leave him and you know his daughter won't talk to him we don't get any of that like he grew up in a brothel during the great depression (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, very skimpy compared to mad men but he, he he is bringing his uh quiet confidence you know and his smoldering mm-hmm. intensity to it. And I think that it's true in that respect. It doesn't feel quite different enough to be, you know, a satisfying sort of like film breakthrough role for him. You know, when you compare it with those other things you mentioned where he's doing something so different. You also just reminded me that this has got to be Victor Garber's smallest role in decades. <laughs> like since he was an <laughs> yeah. up-and-comer. You know, like all he does is get bashed in the head with the butt of a gun says maybe two sentences and you kind of expect that that guy's coming back. I guess maybe there's a deleted scene somewhere where he's got a big piece of gauze on his face talking to John Hamm. <laughs> well, originally it was supposed to cut to a dream sequence where he thinks he's on board the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Victor Garber. It was, yeah, it, it was weird to see him just pop by for this. You, you think he's going to be do something later, but I think it was just like a favor for Ben Affleck. I'm, yeah, I'm sure, just, but I mark my words. There's another scene somewhere. <laughs> you know? I, I I read on the IMDb that he officiated Ben Affleck's wedding to Jennifer Garner. Oh, that's right. Alias. Yeah. Fuck. I just figured yeah, it out. Yeah. He was using an alias. That's not, that's not his name. <laughs> yeah. But this, this Rebecca Hall's character, she doesn't tell the truth about the robbery. She doesn't tell them that she saw the tattoo on the back of Jeremy Renner's neck, which is a fighting Irish leprechaun, which if they if the police had that detail, they would be able to narrow the suspects down to like eight million in the Boston area. You know, it could be <laughs> it's really cutting it down. But the bad guys aside, that it's a problem that she's alive and, you know, they've got to like, you know, see if she needs to be intimidated, or maybe Jeremy Renner seems to imply uh taken care of, right? But Ben Affleck doesn't want to see her get killed because he had a moment with her, and uh, he's so sensitive. He he doesn't even drink. He's sober, and they make fun of him for it. He's so he's he has his head almost on his shoulders, but not quite. But he he convinces Jeremy Renner to let him go and deal with this problem. So he goes to and meets this woman at the laundromat, which is a place that every assistant bank manager is bound to be found. Like, seriously, this woman can't afford, like, a washer-dryer combo on a assistant bank manager's salary? Good point. I don't know. <laughs> this movie's bullshit. You're right. <laughs> should, we, should we wrap it up here? <laughs> I think so. Well, second point, second point, you know, I go to the laundromat, and no woman ever talks to me within three seconds of uh, me sitting down like she does to Ben Affleck, which is, like, another, like, crazy point. Like, she... He goes into this laundromat, he sits down and just sort of like sits there 
And she comes up to him and asks him for quarters, which, that cheap excuse, she had the quarters. She just, I don't know, she just wants some of that Affleck, you know? I would agree and, if uh, you're going to haul all your laundry down to the laundromat, you've counted the change in advance. You don't make that pilgrimage unprepared, I don't think. But anyway. Uh, excuse me. I, are, are you doing laundry? Huh? Just, uh, just wondered if you had any change. The machine is out. Can't help you. Sorry. Okay. I can just uh, hang them up when I get home. Maybe Boston doesn't have, like, dating apps, and this is how people have to meet people in laundromats. Yeah, they're actually but, not uh, doing laundry. There's no clothes. It's just a facade to facilitate <laughs> Some video screens of uh, turning laundry. But they start getting to know each other, and Ben Affleck, he really likes her. And they start to, you know, hang out a little bit. But this is bad because eventually, you know, they're at dinner and Jeremy Renner finds out and... You know, he doesn't exactly like this, and it causes a little bit of tension. But also, they also have to do all these, all these other crimes, you know, because uh, you, you just can't stop. One's not enough. And they work for this really mean bad guy named The Florist, played by Pete Postlethwaite. Pete Postlethwaite? Pete Postlethwaite? Postlethwaite? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think in one of one of his like final roles, he passed away not too long after this. He's I, great. I, I think he was probably like the first character actor I became aware of, or was like a fan of as a kid. Because I remember like in the '90s, you know, he was in like The Usual Suspects and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Romeo and Juliet. In the span of like mm-hmm. a couple of years, I just remember like me and my friends, like him being the first like non movie star, where me and my friends were like, Pete, Pete Postlethwaite is in this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's he's awesome. I, he's really great in this mm-hmm. as well. I, I like his character so much. But yeah, there, there's like this whole like history in this town. Like Ben Affleck's dad worked for this florist, but now Ben Affleck's dad is in jail. And Ben Affleck's dad, the great Chris Cooper. And, uh, you know, he goes and visits his dad one time and they have like, you know, one of those conversations that like men did back in the old timeies where they don't really talk about their feelings. Oh, and Ben Affleck, his mom is gone. He doesn't know where, but he's always been looking for her. And, uh, you know, he just doesn't know what sort of happened, but that'll come back later. And, yeah. And, you know, there's all this stuff happening. He goes to AA where he, like, hears this story of somebody telling this story about how this priest disproved God and something about, like, this Eskimo woman who is his wife, which is not a term that is uh, used (laughs) anymore. But it, uh, you know, it all seems to point to, like, Rebecca's Hall's character is going to be Ben Affleck's salvation. If he can just stop his hot-headed buddy from killing too many people, right? And but- I, I, I do want to say, this was one of the things that, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to do this movie on the podcast was that I remember, like, it, like, when you, like you said, Evan, like it doesn't seem like that long ago. But when you think about the fact that, like, when you think of Jeremy Renner now, like, you think of his ridiculous app, you think of his (laughs) terrible music career. Hawkeye. But he, like, I remember seeing this movie and just being like, oh, my God, who is this guy? This guy was fantastic. He he was the hot shit. Like, he, wasn't he nominated or did he win for, like, The Hurt Locker? Well, he was nominated for this as well. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, he was. One year after the other, I believe, right? That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I remember he's, that really he's well. He's so good. Yeah, being really excited about him and like 
Yeah, it does that that does make it feel like eleven years ago? Oh shit, no, that, that's too. <laughs> he got that's marveled too so hard. No, that, no, that, I got marveled all, so that's, hard. That's the only point that I'm yeah I'm attempting to make along with you guys is that it's true. Now yeah. you really think about him in that particular outfit. Well, also you know mm-hmm. not that his uh, talents have diminished any, but like you you think of the, you know the Marvel pictures, you think of yeah the the sort of behind the scenes things. You don't think of him as as one of the great actors necessarily, but you go back and look at something like this, and he's just so compelling. Yeah, he's very electrifying. Yeah, he's he he seems like he's like ready to explode. And like, and I I did watch this movie on a Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Just putting that out there, Oof. <laughs> and and this watching this movie did also uh, prompt me to go back, go and finally listen to that podcast. That's like a true crime podcast about investigating the origins of his app. Did you guys <laughs> hear about that? Wait, so maybe I mean I saw that he had like an app. It was like, like what's the deal? Like it's just like, is it just like an app? Is it like Cameo but just for Jeremy Renner? No, it was like a. It was an app where people pay like paid a only subs- fans, but it was a subscription. <laughs> but they would get like songs and photos and stuff, uh, and it was also supposed to be like a hub for his fans to come together and uh, and like talk to each other. But oh. uh, but then like people started hacking it and like pretending right. to be him and sending crazy <laughs> messages. So he shut it all oh. down and was basically like. <laughs> Yeah, the world is broken and we can't have nice things, so my app is going away. <laughs> it was it was a whole saga. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that that does make it a little bit harder to take them seriously uh, in in this role. But they have so many more banks to rob and armored cars to hit. Like they do the the nun robbery, which is the famous one from the posters where they put on the nun outfits and they uh, they hit this armored car. I like to think of this whole movie as a gritty reboot of Nuns on the Run. <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> And also, yeah, they don't want to do any more of these jobs because Ben Affleck, he wants to move away with this girl to Florida. And also, like, Jeremy Renner keeps fucking shooting people, you know? Like, Ben Affleck's all like, hey, let's not kill anybody. And then Jeremy Renner's like, but, you know, if we have to kill anybody, then that's cool, too. And uh, so, like, they shoot, like, this guy at the armored car. And, uh, you know, it's just a whole thing. So he doesn't want to do any more of the things except Pete Postleswaith. He he has a really big score, a really Boston score, because they're going to hit Dunkin' Donuts. Then w- oh. <laughs> they're going to hit Dunkin' Donuts. The, they're going to hit the, Fenway Park. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to say uh, uh, that bar that Cheers was based on. <laughs> I've never been to Boston. I've only watched movies and TV shows. Have you guys been to Boston? Yeah, no. one time a long time ago, before the town was made. I've always wanted to go. I think uh, it would be a nice place to visit. Well, funny story. I think story. Ben Affleck has ruined it for I, me. I'll tell you, when I did go to Boston, this would have been uh, maybe like uh, 15 years ago or something like that. And I was a huge fan of Goodwill Hunting. And so one of the things that was on my list of you know things to do was, uh, was to go to MIT. And I had written out from pausing the film <laughs> the equations that Damon draws on the blackboard. <laughs> and I, I drew them on the blackboards in MIT. Uh, just to see what <laughs> what the fallout from that would be. Of course, there was none, but uh, I felt pretty proud of myself. Uh, <laughs> who knows how many many others have done it? 
but uh, it, it didn't. They yeah. didn't give you a scholarship somewhere. <laughs> no, Stellan no, Skarsgård didn't come. Act. That was my problem. <laughs> <laughs> Just linger around it. Yeah, it's like hanging out. It's probably in the wrong wing too. Right. <laughs> uh, this is the anthropology department. A few people pass by. I know that for sure. But none of them were slack jawed and you know in awe. <laughs> hey, you doing the hunting? Yeah, I'm up next. <laughs> but it was beautiful. That, it was uh, cool. it was in the winter when I was there. It was colder than in, in Toronto, but it was it seemed like a but really th- nice. Didn't town. they film? Didn't they film? Wasn't MIT or everything all of that film that you have? <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah. Oh no! You could have just gone down the street. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't learn that until years and years later. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't remember that. That, that was uh, made in Toronto. That's funny. Well, but yeah, the town. So the, yeah, they do another robbery. It doesn't go as well. No. John Hamm is back. The other thing uh, I'd forgotten about this is they know who all the bank robbers are pretty quickly. Like they they're yeah following Ben Affleck and Jeremy Renner. It just sort of happens. I had to like go back and find the part where they found the information because they're just like, oh yeah, this guy works for the telecom company, and then you know. I don't know. I guess I wasn't paying attention. They bypass the investigative part of the investigation. And it's because the, the guy who's what, I guess he, the technician at the bank or whatever, the person who runs the security cameras, tells them, oh, it must have been someone mm-hmm. who works for the security company. And then they have everybody. <laughs> and fine. You know, that was their, yeah. their problem that's, that's was cool. The, yeah. They were too Yeah, good. they even arrest them at one point. Yeah. Well, and that that yeah. part's crazy because that John Hamm's character gets so like, I, I that, this is maybe what I don't like as much as they try to make Ben Affleck seem so virtuous, and then they they lean too far in the other direction, make John Hamm seem like evil. Yeah, because they mm-hmm. like uh, shoot like a security guard, and John Hamm's like, I wish he had died so I could charge <laughs> you for murder. I was like, Holy! I strangle him with a wet towel. Yeah. No, he says something like that. <laughs> yeah. You fucking dummies shot a guard. Now you're like a half-off sale of Big and Tall. Every cop is in line. Fortunately, though, for you, this guard, who is two-thirds to a retard, has miraculously clung to life. Now, if it were up to me, and they gave me two minutes and a wet towel, I would personally asphyxiate this half-wit so we could string you up on a federal M1 and end this story with a bag on your head and a paralyzing agent running through your veins. That that was the moment where I was like, huh? <laughs> like it was it that was the moment where I was like, oh gosh, why is this character so like you know why where does he get his vigor? <laughs> like, yeah, why is he's he still salivating? he's still at this is him at work like this is supposed to be his job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's true. He does this exactly every day of his life, but he really wants. I'm going to murder a child and say jail. that you did it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, but so they're going to do this big old robbery at Fenway. So they dress up like cops. They're going to do the whole thing. And uh, it does not go off very well. They, they're on, I guess the cops are on to them. And so they end up like in this big sort of shootout in the, uh, in the parking garage. Well, hold on. This, this also seemed weird to me because like the, the whole thing at the beginning was they plan this so perfectly. Like, you know, they've got the masks, they, you know, they scramble the security footage. They, you know, mm-hmm. like they bleach off all their DNA and don't leave any.
any mm-hmm. fingerprints and stuff. They sometimes they even get cuttings from the barber shop and spread it around yeah. the cars. Like they're so careful. And then for this last Fenway heist, they're like, "We'll just wear some sunglasses. <laughs> we'll wing it. <laughs> sure, cop uniform and sunglasses basically covers our face." That seemed weird. Was it? Yeah, was that I... the point? Was that they're supposed to be getting a little more like daring, a little less careful, or? Well, I think or was it just that they're two like, handsome men that America wants to see? Ben Affleck was at one point like, you know, with the arm, uh, with the armored car robbery, he was like, "Oh, like we haven't had time to do this." And Jeremy Renner was like, "I've been waiting all my life. I waited nine years inside for you." That's another thing. He went to jail, and now he's never going back. And he's very <laughs> sure to remind uh, Ben Affleck of that uh, day before his. Ultimate By the way, I'm not going back to jail, so... Uh... <laughs> Ultimate demise. Yeah, I, I noticed a bunch of things like that. Like, w- when you know where the story's headed, the exposition isn't super well-cloaked all the time. Like, they, they plant seeds pretty conspicuously, I guess. In just, Why on this job does he decide to remind Ben Affleck that, oh, if it goes bad, I'm going <laughs> to die? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah, it does go bad. One of their, one of their pals is shot. And uh, he dies. And then one of their other pals, he drives out in the armored car so that they can escape. And he dies. And, like, this part was confusing to me because I don't know if you guys saw this. When they shoot that guy, the guy in the truck, you can actually see the bullets, like, flopping out of the gun. They're like, it's like they're being, like, squeezed out of a tube. It's just like, thump. Did you guys see that? No. I, I've never seen that in like a movie before, but I mean, you can actually see the bullets fly out of the gun mm. and like flop into the guy. I'm gonna, crazy. I'm gonna need a urine test before I <laughs> you believe got it, man. that happened. <laughs> I'll do it right now. But uh, yeah, and and then like yeah, it's like they got to they got to like break out of this, and this is the big thing because like you know they they go their separate ways. Renner goes off in this direction dressed up as a cop. Affleck goes in this direction dressed up as a cop and they got their duffel bags full of money and they're going to meet up later. But John Hamm starts following Renner and Renner like runs. He shoots him with his Uzi submachine gun, but uh, no dice. You can't kill the ham. And, uh, (laughs) you know, eventually he's cornered and, you know, he doesn't know what else to do. So he takes a sip of soda pop and he goes out there, guns a-blazing, and he gets, uh, he gets his head shot. I do love that detail, though. I, re- I truly do, where he's, like, on detail. the ground. He knows he's probably going to die. He's dehydrated, and there's a, a piece of garbage. There's just, like, a, a, yeah, like a, a fountain soda container, and he picks it up and has a sip, and it's And then his face great. is like, why did I do that? <laughs> Diet <laughs> root beer. It's a shame that he doesn't, that it's <laughs> yeah. not rank, you know what I mean? That he doesn't take a sip and scowl. That is unfortunate. You know, that the, uh, but I agree, I, I, I like that too. It was really great. It, yeah, but uh, yeah, he, 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 he dies while Ben Affleck, well, his best friend watches, and uh, Ben Affleck, he can't do anything to save him, so he just Watches sadly and then walks off. Oh, and then, okay, then the last part is this Rebecca Hall's character, who Claire, who they've been having the big romance. But John Hamm told her that, you know, he was a criminal. And then she's not happy about that because of the whole she was held up thing. But th- she is helping the cops. And the cops are all, like, waiting in her apartment for him to call. And they do, like, this thing where 
she's telling him to come over, but he's like in his uncle's place across the street, which he referenced earlier, looking, and he can see the cops there. So he's like, yeah, babe, I'll be right there. But he's not going to be right there. I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry for what I did to you. Remember that. Come down to the back and let me in in about an hour. All right. I'll see you. Doug, Doug. Yeah. I want you to come. I really want it. I really want to see you. It'll be just like one of my sunny days. Instead, he, like, dresses up like a bus driver, drives a bus, um, but first he, like, plants all this money in the, uh, in the garden for her because I guess, I guess the assistant bank manager's salary isn't that great, yeah, you know? Uh, they were missing the note that said, like, for a washer-dryer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and he, he also, um, as he goes off, he buys the, uh, he pays for the, uh, the ice at the hockey rink where you know he could have been a he could have been a contender. Oh, I thought that hockey. was I thought that was her that did that with the money. Oh, maybe. If I was him I would have been pretty pissed to see that 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 rink. And now look, like <laughs> I'm all for updating that skating rink, but holy shit, that was the <laughs> nicest hockey rink I've ever seen. And yeah. you know, there were I'm sure many worthy causes in that neighborhood if that money had been distributed, you know, a right. little more Strategically, they probably don't let the the kids from the town play there anyway. It's too nice. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. This is, he just basically helped her gentrify the neighborhood that he grew up in. <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> hey, they're putting in the Starbucks. <laughs> and then it, I this I remember the the other thing that because watching this movie a lot a lot of this movie is is quite good but like I remember when I saw it being really uh, rubbed the wrong way by like the last shot which is like Me too. it looks like an yeah. insurance commercial or something <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, totally yeah, it does. does yeah we used to joke it was the Shawshank Redemption uh, you know ending like <laughs> when in doubt you know go Shawshank. But uh, no, it's true. It, it feels so out of place for a film that is otherwise, you know, exclusively situated in one area to have just one right. shot on the other side of the country and uh, him, you know, looking down on this bayou in the sunset. And like, you know, <laughs> it, 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 it always felt weirdly tagged on. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So that was the town. Good town. We'll be right back. We've got some trivia questions for you guys right after this. Whoa. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're back on rewatchability. We're talking about the town, the Ben Affleck thriller from 2010. Okay, I've got some... It is thrilling. It is. Yeah, parts of it for sure. 
I've got some trivia questions for you guys. You know, one of them was going to be who officiated Ben Affleck's wedding. Who was oh, his shit. <laughs> and I was hoping one of you would say Jen- Jeremy Renner by mistake. Uh, <laughs> it was Victor Garber. Okay, so I've got another Damn, question for sorry. you. I'm going to name the titles of three songs. Two of them are Jeremy Renner songs. <laughs> one of them is a song by Kevin Costner. I, oh, this is too hard. How do you, you know, identify uh, the Costner? That Jeremy Renner had a band or an app, or, or that Kevin Costner had a, a music career at any point in time. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm going to need you to stop the recording and go Google all of that right now because it's <laughs> amazing. Uh, okay, here are the three songs. Number one, Ghosts and Roses. Hmm. Number two, Five Minutes from America. Mm. Number three, every woman. Mm. Okay, which one's? The I'm gonna say Costner? Kevin Costner is five minutes from America. Okay, Evan, what are you thinking? Well, I was gonna guess that too, but I don't want to look like I'm riding any coattails. So let's no, say no. You can say no. You can say the same thing because you know what? It's right. Oh, excellent. You're both right. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I know my cost. <laughs> And speaking of Jeremy Renner, the other thing that I forgot, other than the app and all that, is also those Jeep commercials. Have you seen those? Apparently, there's a great big blind spot in my cultural awareness, and that is every single Jeremy Renner (laughs) side project (laughs) outside of the Marvel (laughs) Universe. But uh, you somehow you haven't read his cookbook. (laughs) (laughs) No, that sounds pretty intriguing. My favorite Jeremy Renner. artistic pursuit is the midlife crisis that we've all publicly had to <laughs> endure. Uh, no, he's in the, he did these series of Jeep commercials that are like really weird. It's got like almost like a story where he's like on the road and his car breaks down and he gets in a Jeep and it takes him to like this house party where his band plays and he like changes into a whole black leather outfit. It's kind of amazing. I, I have to um, say, I love wow. the idea that uh, every actor of that generation has a corresponding car you know, like uh, McConaughey has the Lincoln, Jeremy Renner has the Jeep. Mm-hmm. I can see Colin Farrell with like a Jaguar. You know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh. oh yeah, we need we need a movie where they all get together and race or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have to race to their respective bands' concerts. <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay, uh, speaking of John Hamm and the fact that he hadn't been in a lot of movies before this, I was looking him up on the IMDb and his first screen credit, I was not aware of. It was from a, a nineties Fox drama. Can you, can you name what was that Fox show that uh, was John Hamm's first, first credit on IMDb? A drama. Yeah. I have a no drama. clue. I can't even think of a Fox drama. From it's kind of a dramedy. Was? Is it sort of a drama? Dramedy, maybe. I'm gonna say. Okay, I'm gonna say. I mean, I don't know if it was on Fox, but wouldn't it be amazing if he was on Gilmore Girls? No, that was was like UPN or something. Uh, Ah, okay, cops. I think that was the CW, (laughs) or maybe I'm wrong. Um, He can't. He can't talk that fast. (laughs) That's true. You have to be an auctioneer on the show. Uh, okay, I'll give you a clue. It was a legal show. Boston. Oh, no, wait. Well, what's the Boston one? Legal. Gosh. The town legal. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm just going to tell you. It was Ali McBeal. Ooh. Oh. Ali McBeal. And he played the character Gorgeous Guy at Bar. Oh. 
so that happened. And he's going to be fletched now. I heard. Right. That's that's fun. So this was based Good for him. on uh, a novel called Prince of Thieves. Uh, which <laughs> from the Kevin Costner Robin Hood movie? Yeah, I'm assuming that's why they didn't. Call, I I thought maybe it was like an old book that was you know maybe came out before the Robin Hood. No, it came out in like 2004. So he was inspired by the Robin Hood, and I think they should have kept the name and just recycled the Brian Adams song. It just had to be about the town now. No, it was a a, a book by uh, Chuck Hogan, who also wrote the uh, the the Strain books with uh, Guillermo del Toro. Okay. Uh so he yeah, he wrote this book uh Prince of Thieves. It's it's seems like from what I've read it's a mostly faithful adaptation. It was in development for a while with Adrian Lyne directing it. Strangely mm. enough. And they did change that around That would have been few... way way sexier. I I'm a little disappointed now that I know that. So uh, Chuck Hogan wrote this book. It's uh, it's mostly the same, a little bit different in parts. And one of the big differences is the second heist. In the movie, it's like an armored car, as we discussed. In the Mm -hmm. book, it's uh, a different target. I'm wondering if you guys can take a guess at what that target might have been and why they would have changed it for the movie. Wait, it still takes place in Boston? This is kind of a weird question. Yeah, it still takes place in Boston, but uh, instead of an armored oh, car... Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Wait. They were going to... Okay, I mean, I was trying to think of terrible things that have happened in Boston, and I thought about the Boston Marathon, but I don't know how to rob a marathon. That also wouldn't have happened at... <laughs> At this point, uh, th- this is more of just—I don't know time. This is not a trivia question so much as just a like a logic. I'm wondering if you can sort of suss out what they might have changed. Think about why they would have changed it for the movie. Hmm. Hmm. It's not School robbing. Shooting. It's not robbing Ben Affleck's house. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll just tell you. Yeah, they were going to rob a a movie theater, <laughs> or they oh. they did rob a movie theater. And uh, and wisely changed that for the movie because uh, when you're watching a movie, you know, seeing a bunch of people running around a movie theater with guns is uh, is not yeah. uh, calming. <laughs> and uh, it was also it takes place in the '90s. The book because I I was just kind of skimming through it on uh, on Google Books and like there was a whole passage where they're trying to figure out like which movie to hit to sort of maximize how much money is being spent. So they're like, striptease? No. Uh, Mission Impossible? <laughs> they're going through like every 1996 movie to figure out which It doesn't one. seem like a great crime, you know? I mean, armored car, like a half-empty movie theater <laughs> in Boston playing striptease? You're going to get like, what, $100 in like bills of questionable quality with weird fluids? I don't, it doesn't sound like a good idea. It's a bit odd. <laughs> and the other big change was that at the end of the book, the, the Ben Affleck character, Doug, well, it's kind of like, I guess maybe his, his sort of alcoholism is a bit more fleshed out in the book. And at the end, he like gets drunk before the Fenway robbery. And it's kind of like, mm. you know, it's, it's showing that this is less about him like redeeming himself, like in the movie so much as, as more like he's, kind of committing himself to this downward spiral of self-destruction. Like he knows he'll never be better than his dad and he might as well just like, you know, 
fuck it all and do this Fenway job. And then he does not survive. He gets shot, I guess, with like the Pete Postlethwaite character. I think he gets shot and uh, and then goes. I forgot to mention that Pete Postlethwaite gets shot in the balls. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> By Robocop. Uh, That's right. It's a great scene. Yeah, and so he gets shot and then goes to Claire's house and ends up just like dying on her uh, in her front hall. I kind of prefer that to be honest. Well, I think they shot that because according to Ben Affleck, they they couldn't figure out the ending and they the studio wanted them to shoot a whole bunch of versions. So like they screened a version where he is killed to test audiences and they hated hmm. it. So they they tried a whole bunch of things and and it landed on this somehow. All right. <laughs> Rob approved. <laughs> what about no, I don't. Did you shoot any uh, alternate endings for for your movie, Evan? No. Uh, no, we didn't. We experimented in the edit a little bit. We we ha- you know the last scene was extremely tricky, and um, we remodeled it a tiny bit in terms of dialogue that had to be extracted, and like uh, we even experimented. We, with cutting it entirely because before we got it right, it just was not, people weren't responding to it the way we hoped, but we definitely didn't have the m- money. <laughs> you know, I was worried about the way mm-hmm. my film ends because it, it doesn't like end on like a joke, you know, it ends on like a raw emotional moment. And I felt like that was a super kind of exp- you know, it's, it just made me feel like, oh, this could go right or it could go very wrong. And if it goes wrong, that's the last taste that everyone has in their mouth. And so I was super nervous and actually had an alternate ending scripted that I just, you know, figured out <laughs> very early on. We were never going to be able to fit into our schedule. Um, and, uh, yeah, but I can see why when you got the money, you would want to do it. And uh, with this movie, it doesn't surprise me because I, I do feel like even the first time I saw it and, and I really enjoyed it, particularly the third act, I just felt like the ending, you know, was just too happy. Like it was just, you know, he, his, he, it's too clean an exit for him. And uh, yeah, um, it's almost like you said. Well, he says he has to, like, pay for his mistakes and then. He just goes off and has a whole new life, you know? Like, it doesn't compute. Well, if he gets shot in the bank heist, he can't put that fuck you note on John Hamm's car. And <laughs> one thing we know about, True. you know, Affleck, he, he likes those, uh, he likes those, how you like them Apple uh, moments when yeah. you know, characters throw That's a piece right. of notepaper up against a window. Um, and, uh, uh, but, but yeah, it, it, like, I. I, it, it, it's 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 weird. You're right. It feels like an insurance ad. The uh, the last shot of the film. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, yeah, and you're totally right. Like it's not him paying for his mistakes because he ends up in a in a beautiful cottage. <laughs> like he's well, he seems really his nice. Best friend get his brains blown out. Um, but we. Know but that even that guy even that seems like. And also, like he was the one that was kind of holding him back. Like in a way, like him being killed, it sure it's sad, but it also frees him up. Because another thing we didn't talk about is like the Blake Lively character has mm-hmm. a kid that Jeremy Renner thinks is Ben Affleck's Shine. kid. Yeah, but he never like offers. There's no reason why we, the audience, wouldn't 
think that that was was his kid like so yeah. as far as we know he just skips out on his kid at the end my assumption yeah. is that it is his kid <laughs> yeah totally <Absolutely>. yeah <laughs> like she is she is so determined to stay with him and be with him and you know again if this movie gets made in 2020 like i'm pretty sure that they deal with that a little bit differently in terms of him just being like it's not my kid and we just believe it at face value because you know he's the righteous member of that crew and uh and she's silly and, you know, and a bar fly and, and a drug mule and things like that. Yeah. And she and she was also huge at the time, too. You know, we were talking about John Hamm being breaking out of, of Mad Men and doing movies like obviously like Gossip Girl was huge when this yeah. movie came out. Maybe not amongst us the same way Mad Men was, but for some people, I'm sure. <laughs> Different crowds, you know, different different yeah. audiences, but you know, the town brought they them all together. They could have got a crossover, Mad Men and Gossip Girl. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Did you hear who Don Draper is sleeping with? <laughs> Everybody. He's in his nineties at that point, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> still going. Still a member of the New York elite. Yeah. Yeah, that would still dating twenty somethings. <laughs> that would have been a twist if it had turned out that Gossip Girl was just a ninety-year-old Don Draper on a laptop. <laughs> Uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention. Oh, uh, another quick thing. The co-writer of this movie is a guy named Aaron Stockard, who was, I think, just like a high school friend of Ben Affleck's. And his his only other screen credit is Gone Baby Gone, which he also helped write. Mm. Which I'm kind of surprised that he would. Yeah, he just hasn't uh, done anything else. I guess, uh, you know. Maybe he got shot in the head, you know, or something. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> ben Affleck, you know, that's his friends, you know. One other uh, funny thing that I, I, I notice on the rewatch is the, you know, the, the opening blurb about Charleston and how it's known as a breeding ground for bank robbers. You know, again, it's like this great idea. It's such a, it's such a pure premise. Um, oh, like you were saying at the beginning, this is a trade here and it's inherited and, you know, it's like a systemic issue. And then the last card before like the credit roll is, yes, it's true that Charleston produces a lot of bank robbers, but they also have a lot of really nice, hardworking people too. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is dedicated to them. You know, it's, 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 it's like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a direct contradiction. <laughs> you know, in, in the, Listen, he had to do the same the thing with roll. Argo. Remember they screened Argo at TIFF and everyone was like, hey, you minimized all the stuff like the Canadian government did. And he's like, shit, get, a, get an, end of, an end of movie title card on there to explain the Canadians yeah. that stuff. Don't want to piss anybody off. And look, I will also say I, I, I feel like we're, you know, there, there's some you know, threads which we're pulling out here. But like I do think, you know, it still holds up in many ways, this movie, in terms of, I would say, most significantly the action stuff. Like the... The, the opening bank robbery, I, I think, is, you know, really intense and, uh, and effective. You know, the, the idea of, of being told to, like, walk to the water and her when she explains to him that, you know, she's not sure she's going to step off a cliff. Like, I thought there were some still some really, really, you know, interesting ideas in it. And um, all of the robberies, I thought, you know, the, the one at the end, I agree. It's like, oh, they... They're, they're getting a little sloppy in terms, in terms of the disguise. They have full rubber masks for the first ones. And then they're just walking in with their, their sunglasses <laughs> as cops and nodding at everybody they pass, making direct <laughs> eye contact with everybody they pass. And so they, it's, like, you know, it's like, okay, the audience instinctively knows. The characters instinctively know that, all right, this is going to get bloody. And I think like with a film like this, particularly when it is directed by the actor, and that actor is a huge movie star, 
you know, it, it invites a much more cynical analysis. Like, I, I feel like it is kind of an impediment to your engagement, probably was the first time too. Things that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily question if Ben Affleck wasn't the director, like a shot of him doing like pull-ups or scrunches or whatever, like with his shirt off, you know? <laughs> like that stuff, it, it, it pushes you out because you're like, oh my God, like seriously. Um, but all the while I'm watching it, I'm like, shit, like this dude is acting in this and directing it and really, you know, finding his way through a pretty complex idea. It's such a ludicrous notion. The fact, you know, the idea that this, this bank robber who is so careful, such a professional, such a genius, you know, in like, and, and, or at least an, <laughs> at least an artist, you know, um, is going to risk a relationship with this person. And it's true. I guess the, you know, the, the point of attraction is their first encounter in the bank just because she is nervous. And I guess it makes him feel bad. And he sees an opportunity to be, you know, I, I don't know, like a, a, a compassionate. I don't know. It, it, it is odd that that character is going to risk everything because of this one, encounter that he must have had so many times over maybe she was the most attractive person that he you know that he engaged with or interacted with in the uh, course of one of the robberies um and <laughs> had like this gone down slightly an... differently he could have fallen in love with victor garber <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Pulled anyone else up to open the safe. That was really what got him. Uh, it was just the fumbling <laughs> fingers. But I uh, I think like it, it is such a uh, ludicrous pill to have to swallow. And I think he pulls it off remarkably well. You know, even when you're watching it with all these impediments in terms of like, oh, it's Ben Affleck and blah, blah, blah. Like, I still find myself engaging with it. I still find myself liking the character. I think that uh, it, it's the type of thing that has the potential to be so corny and there are things that you can poke and poke at and i've definitely found more of them rewatching it again you know uh but i i i I still think like you know for someone to be acting in that and directing in it as complex as it is and and you know it's got a true unique truly unique atmosphere same with gone baby gone i i i gotta give him props i gotta you know and it's been a while since I've seen Argo, but I, I remember this one as being my favorite among the four that he did. I wonder if, if I would feel the same way watching Argo again. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, don't know. I just want to rag on it too, too much. And sorry if that is, is counterproductive. No, no, that's, no, that's entirely fair. And I think, yeah, it's like it's easy to, like, make fun of Ben Affleck, you know, like when – what was that thing where he th- – threw out that cardboard cutout of his ex-girlfriend or whatever you know he's such like a he's such like a weird celebrity it's easy to like diminish like what he can do as a, a talented actor director but he does like he doesn't phone it in like he his performance is really good and like yeah his directing is also like very on point and like this is not a movie that is half-assed and i guess like apparently the first cut of this was like four hours long so it's just a lot of stuff that he must have had to do. Like this must have immersed to, he must have immersed himself entirely in this project. So which, I, I heard know, a lot of tell. those extra two hours were crunches. Were <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and squats. Yeah. yeah and lunges. <laughs> but I, uh, <laughs> uh, Oh shoot. That just reminded me of something. I do think, okay. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like the weakest parts are of the film are the scenes without him. I think that John Hamm's side of the movie, and I really love John Hamm. Mad Men is my favorite thing that human beings have ever done. Like, I, I think I've seen that show about seven oh, wow. or eight times. I love it so much. And, uh, uh, and, 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 and I feel like, you know, with this one, you just... You, you kind of see the, him treading water because he just doesn't have, you know, like, there, there just isn't 
enough context for that character to understand you know, why he's so yeah. revved up. Like why, you know, with Tommy Lee Jones and the fugitive, you, you don't have trouble with it. It's like, Oh, okay. This guy is just like an obsessive on the job and it's not personal. It's just like his compulsion with John Hamm. It's so personal. It's so strangely personal. And that kind of puts you out and, it's hard, like uh, watching the scenes of, in the FBI office where they're like, you know, talking about the suspects. And again, it's sort of a delivery device for more information. You're learning backgrounds of the characters. And it's a scene that we've seen so many times before, most notably, I think, in The Departed, where you have like the FBI banter and the suspects' faces up on the screen and you're hearing who is everybody and like just a lot of snarky remarks. Like, I. I I just wouldn't know how to write and something like that anymore. Cause you've seen it so many times and it's just so like, it, 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 the, it, it's always the same. It's always just snarky cops in an office, you know, like doling out exposition and uh, you're kind of like running on fumes with that stuff. And like you were saying mm-hmm. about how they arrive at the suspects super quickly. I don't, I kind of don't mind that they sort of skip over that because again, we've seen it so many times and if they just want to hone in, no, on I like it. Yeah. Fine and I'll buy it. But it did seem like everything without Ben Affleck, without Jeremy Renner, without Rebecca Hall, just did not like it. For me, it just didn't age. It didn't age well. I just, you know, I, it, it seemed sillier than the Well, rest. there's there's no, like, hook to it. There's no, like, emotional hook to it. And, I mean, for me, this movie, I think, suffers from borrowing from a lot from, you know, one movie that you just mentioned, The Departed. Um, and, you know, it's actually probably more like a reaction to the part because, you know, Martin Scorsese makes this crime movie and he transposes it to Boston. And, you know, it's kind of a, it doesn't really hit the authenticity mark, though. Great movie. It has Ben Affleck's best buddy, Matt Damon, in it as well. You know, he probably asked Martin Scorsese, uh, hey, you know, you, you, you could do Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, two sides of the same coin. huh? Leo's already cast. OK, all right. I'll do my own movie. But uh well, you know, yeah, I you know mean, who I would have, ca- you know, what I would say would have made this movie a bit more interesting is if they had switched the parts. If Ben Affleck had taken the John Hamm part, and if John Hamm sure. had played the like alcoholic, maybe aging out of this job, this midlife crisis bank robber, and then yeah. had Ben Affleck be like the up and coming FBI guy who wants to do everything by the book and maybe like loses control of his emotions a little bit. I think that I think Ben Affleck, I like Ben Affleck as an actor, but I think he's best when he's playing someone that's like a little bit not likable. Like that's what was good about mm-hmm. when he was in Gone Girl cuz we're yeah. supposed yeah. to be kind of suspicious of him even though he's our kind of through line in the beginning part of that movie. So I I yeah, I I think that would have been like a more interesting choice for him to have made as a director to kind of like to take the less heroic part for himself, because that's, you know, like you were saying, Evan, you get pulled out of it a little bit when he's trying to make himself seem like this good guy all of well, the time. Well, it also doesn't seem emotionally invested in the other parts of the story. Like, there's nothing happening with, like, the cops. And, like, yeah, in, like, a scenario like Heat, you have a bit of focus on the criminals, and then you have a bit of focus on the cops, and, like, they complement each other. With this, I mean, you know, not saying that he has to do it like Heat, but, I mean, with this, there's this, like, that character is so insubstantial. It's hard to like, you're just like, why? Okay. Yeah. Do solve the crimes. You know, mm-hmm. it, I mean, you know, they can't even make, they can't even make Don Draper and Bosch, you know, seem exciting. That's, that's, that's a problem. I, I think, you know, I, I, I feel like it would have worked better if he hadn't cast himself in it at all. Like if it, if it had just been somebody else, if he thought Casey was maybe 
maybe you know didn't have the the, the girth to pull it off like you know just was like i get it but like that was something that made i agree gone maybe gone so interesting was that's like oh you, you know he's a super overexposed celebrity actor and he's not you know on screen and and uh and the fact that he's back here i do think you know and, and i feel that way most of the time that like the director is directing themselves in the lead role and ostensibly like the hero's role. Like I, I just always find it to be kind of distracting and, uh, and I mean, so, so much harder, but maybe not. I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's the thing. Maybe these guys get like, you know, maybe they feel comfortable in the, in the moment with like the actors and, 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 you know, maybe that is, easier for them i can't imagine how it could be but uh i mean clint eastwood's yeah, been I, doing it forever um yeah I, I that's something that i have a problem with too but it's also something that I, I don't think that a lot of people who have like less investment in the behind the scenes stuff and everything care about like there are so many people who don't know who directs and writes their movies you know they're just like the ben affleck one is whichever one ben affleck is appearing in right so I mean, I don't know. I, I, I wonder whether, like, how it affects somebody who's not as tuned into the artistic side of things. Because, yeah, it does feel like everything, like, it feels like everything is focused singularly on the Ben Affleck character, you know? Like, everything revolves around him. Everything, all the meaning is interpreted around him. He's put up on, like, this pedestal because he's, like, the hero and he's the director. And, you know, it's all about him in so many ways. It's... I it it does it does take away from like some of the other parts like you know. Well, also I mean, Rebecca Hall is such a great actress, and she you know yeah. has a real thankless role here. I mean, there yeah. were a few movies around this time, like a movie that I love, like The Prestige. You know, she's also like gets the role of like the put upon wife who gets like so frustrated she hangs herself. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Like I and, and you know she's gotten a lot of great roles since, but like around this time, I feel like. But then again, you know, she was in the like the Godzilla movie recently. Like she's such a great actress, and you see her in these things where it's it's frustrating to uh, to see this kind of like limitation put on the character. Like we never get any sense of like who she is and even like you could do that even within like the narrow parameters of of where we see her like i recently rewatched thief and like she's basically doing like she's basically got like the angie dickinson role from that and i think you know there's ways to imbue that character even if we're not going to see them that much with uh with character and with like depth uh that yeah. feels unexplored in in the story if that makes well, there's sense. so much too. Like when she finds out that Ben Affleck has, you know, been lying to her. Like I don't feel like we get like a satisfying emotional moment with her, or like really like see how that makes her feel. Well, you know? she retreats it's... to the bathroom floor, which is the classic place to be really, fri- you okay. know, like to be really hurt <laughs> and furious with someone who's manipulated you. <laughs> like the number of times the movie has, you know, it's like anytime someone discovers they've been led astray or manipulated or cheated on or whatever they it's always the bathroom door closed like you know sitting on the floor <laughs> phone in hand it's because they just had dive in there <laughs> <laughs> it's the lowest possible place <laughs> but but you know I, I think as well though i think like uh imagining it on the page i feel like it would 
work way less well. I think like when you have a really great actor like that who just brings an authenticity to it, you know, it it provides it with like a feeling of depth that might not actually be there. And you're right. I was trying to think as you were talking about like what do we know of her character? We know her brother dies <laughs> when she's young. Oh yeah. And we know she right. wants to quit her job at the bank. I don't really know. I don't remember why. Like I can't remember what her, her No, they never is. say she gets robbed all the time. <laughs> she wants she wants to quit her Assholes job. Assholes keep taking me hostage. But it it immediately makes her seem very suspicious. Is <laughs> the other thing about she that really when she does quit made herself the suspect unnecessarily. <laughs> yeah. <it's> like... <laughs> <laughs> but you know it, it like I I trying to imagine it yeah on the page i just feel like it wouldn't have worked in a way that i i I still got drawn into it when i was watching it and um i think like yeah the same thing with with jeremy renner like he has a lot of work to do as well in terms of like you know expository things you know or like planting seeds that that become important later on and um and i'm more sensitive to it you know knowing where the story is headed but again like it it you're right. It's like a it's it's a testament to his charisma. I don't, that's the wrong word for it. He's captivating. I think you said earlier, and and so I think like it works you know well in that sense. Pete Pustlewaite as well, or, or, or however you're pronouncing his name. Like that shit is super satisfying when it reaches that boiling point. And the, the whole lecture he gives or the speech that he gives before the job of like I see your father's faces in all of you. I thought that was a great scene too. Oh, your yeah. daddy. Yeah. That was yeah. Good. And um, uh, I really do want to just I do want to just mention this last bit of trivia before we wrap up. Oh, and, and also I do want to say I just mentioned Thief. I said Angie Dickinson. I, of course, meant Tuesday Weld. She is the co-star of Thief. Uh, sure you don't did. send in your letters. Uh, <laughs> this movie inspired a real life robbery. Did you guys know that? What? <laughs> no. Like somebody stole the DVD from the blockbuster? No, it... Uh, <laughs> There was a uh, a robbery of a New York check cashing location where the robbers were dressed like cops, but I think they were all black, but they were wearing latex masks to dress as white NYPD officers, and they were actually like like two thousand dollar like actual you know like makeup oh yeah movie makeup masks like wow. those ultra realistic ones. You have to rob a bank to be able to afford those. And then, uh, <laughs> so the three robbers not only used latex masks and impersonated cops, but they also reportedly doused their robbing scene with bleach to disguise DNA oh. evidence and intimidated eyewitnesses by giving details on their personal lives. And then, uh, apparently, like, I guess the cops or whoever snapped a photo of one of the suspects who was wearing a t shirt with the image of, like, Ben Affleck in the nun mask. Whoa! <laughs> so they were just town super fans, <laughs> and that's that's what brought them down. The hubris. I want to see a movie about that. Yeah, Ben Affleck, <laughs> the town town. So I, yeah, that's all. That was the last bit of trivia I wanted to mention. That's amazing. Uh, did you? Yeah. Did you hear about that thing where around the time the movie came out, the Republicans tried to use it as like a rallying point to get people to like support John Boehner or something, and what? they used that. Yeah, they like showed at the Republican National Convention that scene where Claire tells Ben Affleck that some guys were intimidating her while she was walking home. And so Ben Affleck takes Jeremy Renner and just goes and beats the shit out of this guy who we assume is the guy. But, you know, I don't know. But he's basically like, I can't tell you who it is or why we're doing it, but uh, we're going to do this and we're going to hurt some people. And, uh, And Jeremy Renner's like, the only question I have is whose car are we taking? 
And then, like, the Republicans, you know, were like, I will drive that car. <laughs> Wait, what? And so yeah, they, they were like, they were like, in this metaphor, I want to go and commit some vigilante justice or whatever with the Republican Party. And Jon Stewart did, you know, a big thing on it on the on the Daily Show, which was uh, pretty funny. It's good to good to watch him. Brings it back. It is back weird like, talking about the passage of time to like have nostalgia for 2010 because it, like you said, Evan, it feels like it just happened. I also think that yeah. that was like one of the best years for movies, you know, in my lifetime. Like I, I just remember the deluge of like incredible films like uh, Black Swan and um, what else was out that year? The Fighter was out that year. Beautiful by Inaritu. That's with an I. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to think. There, I know there were some other big ones. I, I mean, a lot of people would say it's like the Social Network. I, uh, um, right. just, there's just like, so many. Oh, True Grit. So many huge movies that year. Oh yeah, and uh, it was a good year. Yeah, yeah, and so I have a, a ton of nostalgia for it. I remember so well, like watching all those films, like Black Swan and The Fighter, and uh, I can't believe it's been 11 years. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. so MacGruber came out in 2010. <laughs> yeah. Buried. <laughs> wow, yeah. shit, really? Egg, catfish. Cat, you know, like not not a movie many people rewatch, but like a, a term that has become a thing that describes a thing that people. Yeah. Know, thing. You know. Yeah. Uh, the town. That's I how I meet people online. <laughs> okay, so at the end of the show, we go around and say, do we think it was rewatchable? Did we think it, it held up to our expectations? Looking back, Evan, did you think it was rewatchable this time around? I, I mean, I thought it was rewatchable. I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it as much as I expected to. And, and that's, you know, I find this happens all the time where, like, you watch a movie and you, and you really dig it, and then you watch it again, and it just doesn't do the same quite the same thing for you and then you watch it again later on and you dig, really dig it again you know like it's, it's always in relation to your expectations and uh yeah with this one i mean i was not as enthralled as the first time but i still thought there were a lot of like really great ideas in it all right rob what about you yeah i i don't know i you know i I didn't expect it to be amazing and it was better than i thought it would be there's a lot of really good moments in it. I agree, Evan. I, I I happen to read that Ben Affleck was very influenced by Heat and The Departed when he made this movie, and I couldn't stop seeing mm. both of those things in there. And it's there's so many like themes, like the intergenerational crime, the like hiding your identity from like your your partner. There is almost like the two sides of the same coin. There's the whole Boston thing. There's the uh, the, the sort of patriarchal crime figure. And I don't know, like it, Ben Affleck as the director, he 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 pulls the punches where Martin Scorsese wouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, like it's not as like impactful and like that's OK. I mean, it can be a different movie. And there are things that this movie does that are that are different and it does maybe more successfully than some of those other movies. Like I really like the camaraderie that the gang has, or mostly the relationship between Ben Affleck and Jeremy Renner. They have like a good chemistry together and uh, they're both interesting characters and, you know, they're, they're sympathetic characters. But I wish that, uh, I wish that Ben Affleck wasn't in it. 
You know, I wish that uh, there was somebody else that he could cast. I wish that he would stop trying to put himself in movies that he he's directing. I mean, I understand the impulse, but I think you know he he's he has a lot of talents as a director. I think he could be really good, and he's also great. I think with actors, especially like male actors who have a certain amount of machismo, right? He gets the Bosch in there. He he gets all these like great actors like Chris Cooper. He he calls all their numbers. He gets all these great people in this movie and you know, it's really, you know, he could really do something with them if he wasn't focused on like making himself look good, you know. Well, you know, another thing that he does that he did more in Gone Baby Gone. I think they do a little bit of it here, but like they just kind of cast locals to essentially be themselves. So, mm-hmm. like, I think this movie is a bit more fleshed out with like a a cast of of people we know. But like in Gone Baby Gone, like there are scenes just like in bars where it feels like they just went to a bar and and filmed, you know, like Borat, but with Casey Affleck solving a mystery, <laughs> and and just got the people who were there to be there. I know that's not how it worked, but they, they did, you know, pull a lot from those neighborhoods in terms of it, casting those parts. And yeah, this doesn't have the same sort of feel. It, it, Though the, one of the crew members was from uh, was a local guy, the the technician guy. Des, I think his name is. I feel like every time they cut to a real person in this one, you just recognized it instantly. It wasn't as exactly, seamless yeah. as with Gone Baby Gone. And I think it just relates to the contrivance of like this story versus that one, where, you know, like this this one is really roided up and you know in comparison to Gone Baby Gone and like you just clearly see the difference between the movie stars and like the real, you know, local people that they yeah. cast. Yeah. One thing I also found like kind of annoying was that like every once in a while there will be these voices that sort of like bubble up from nowhere just talking about like how the town is so poor but like those people are proud and you know and it's like all good stuff like it would be great in like a Ken Burns documentary or whatever but it doesn't necessarily belong in this crime movie if you only know? someone would make the hockey rink nicer then we could <laughs> Uh, well, then we wouldn't have to rob banks. So yeah, I'm I'm on the line of rewatchability. I think it is rewatchable, but I you know I think it's a mildly rewatchable yeah. for me. I think I'm I feel the same way as you, Rob. Like I I do like a lot of this movie, but I also feel like you know I I think the Friends of Eddie Coyle was another movie that uh, Ben Affleck said was an inspiration, and I can't help mm-hmm. but feel like I would have loved the like '70s version of this movie where it was like. You know, started like Robert Redford and was like ninety five yeah. minutes long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like yeah. this, it feels like it could it could just use twenty percent more like breeziness and <laughs> uh, and then I think yeah, because it's got some terrific uh, scenes and performances. Yeah, I, I'm kind of right on the line. And did you, do you guys know what his next movie is, Ben Affleck? Did you read about that? No, I have no idea. No, he's doing uh, an adaptation of the. Uh, that book, The Big Goodbye, which is about the making of Chinatown. Oh, no. Oh. So, <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah. he could call it The Town with an E. <laughs> is he going to play uh, Polanski? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> but in this version, he's a, a great guy. Uh, well, because also Robert Town uh, does not come off well in that book. He is uh, kind of like... Uh, steals a lot of credit for the scripts and uh, becomes kind of a coke fiend by the end of it. So it'd be interesting to see if Affleck plays Robert Town in that. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I I am very curious to see that. Um, But that's enough 
talking that's about where ben we are Affleck. now because i know they're doing the same thing with the godfather but is that a movie or a mini series that they're doing about the making of the godfather oh i think it's a mini series wasn't oh, it supposed to have army hammer yes. no. yeah well they're making isn't that a movie the one with uh oscar isaac i think it's a mini series oh. oh is it okay. yeah barry levinson's yeah. doing it right and they're also yeah exactly they're also doing a a movie now about the making of Texas Chainsaw Massacre so yeah well we got to get on this horse yeah. yeah yeah I I mean got to be the first one to make a movie about the making of movie Evan you're a yeah. screenwriter uh the making of the town let's you know, <laughs> the wheels boil are some coffee <laughs> uh well thank you so much for being here Evan uh, once again I can't recommend highly enough The Kid Detective. It's it's a great movie. You can watch it at home right now uh, on all streaming platforms. Uh, just, you know, don't be fooled by the word kid. It's got There's some F-bombs and some dark themes. But uh, I, I, like I said, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. It's, it's just the kind of movie I can't see anyone having a problem with it. It's uh, just a, a wonderful watch and a great mystery. And uh, and like I said, unless you're a small child who has been confused <laughs> by the title, you will have a great time watching The Kid Detective. Evan, do you have anything else you want to promote? Or uh... No, that's great. And thank you. And thanks for having me. This is a blast. I love it. Thanks again for being here. And yeah. uh, as always, you can find us uh, on Twitter at Rewatchability, Facebook.com slash Rewatchability. Uh, if you like and subscribe the podcast and rate us on uh, on whatever app you listen to, that helps as well. Buy a T-shirt. Go to tpublic.com and search Rewatchability. You can find our shirts on there. And until next time, uh, the town. <laughs> it's, it's our Don't rob any banks. Yeah, right. You can rob a bank. It's fine. Rob one bank. No one to quit. <laughs> that is the moral of the story, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you if you rob a bank, wear a mask. Come on. And if you don't wear a mask, don't go out with the uh, one witness. The fact that it was so instructional for actual bank robbers is is proof that that literally is like you know the takeaway. You know, it's not. As long as I don't fall in love. <laughs> hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.